You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour number two of the program. It's The Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Man, we got Andy Reid clock management issues today. A little late there. Yeah, like I knew it was empty after, and there was so much good stuff to get to. Yeah, well, so. again, people... You know, you had to fill the people in on what happened in the sport. Christian Del Bianco signed. Got to let him know. Yeah, you absolutely got to let him know. Um, we want to hear from you on the text line, 960-960, name and location, your chance to win. I talked about it to kick off the show. I can't wait. Season four, part one, manifest. That's yeah. one of my guilty pleasures. Right For on. some inexplicable reason, I've watched every episode of Manifest. Uh, we want to hear your guilty pleasure show and why we should watch it. 96960 name and location. You give us a good text, you're going to win a $100 gift card to Golf Town. Pretty sweet deal. You can even text in your underwear. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to do anything. Yeah, it's that easy. We have the one uh, homie on the text line who always tells us that he's texting in from bed. Yeah. Okay. Maybe a little too much detail, but right on. Um, You could win a $100 gift card. Ken Danico, Devils analyst, MSG, former New Jersey Devil. Great. Three-time Stanley Cup champion at the bottom of the hour. And uh, I'm going to also tell you why an eight-year-old boy is uh, way more of a man than the four I'm of us combined. I'm excited for this. Are you? Okay. Yeah. I like it. I, I like it. I'm sure he's a outstanding young citizen. Yeah, way more. Way like more. Making way the earth tougher. a better, better place. And yeah. That's not what we're about. So Way tougher than the four of us um, combined. Mm-hmm. Um, Flames lost last night 4-1 to the Predators in a first period that was no energy, slow start, mirrored the first period against the Kraken. Team looked disjointed. Chris Tanev's out with an upper body injury. The blue line struggled a little bit last night. And these new lines, chemistry seems to be an issue. And right now, all of a sudden, team went from, you know, a 5-2 and two start, you're really super pumped about it, to now 5-4 and four, and staring at a red-hot New Jersey Devils team coming into town Tomorrow night. What's your level of concern with the Calgary Flames right now? 403-240-4444 if you want to weigh in on the old phone line. Although we're not giving anything away, I don't know how many callers we're going to get. Like when we give something away, the, the phone lines jam up immediately. Yeah, you got to dangle the carrot out in front of the horse yeah. there. Like, this time we're just asking the horse yeah. to run. Yeah, we're just asking you to, hey, you know, what do you think of the Flames? Like, are you, what's your level of concern right now? 403 240 4444 960 960 on the text line name and location, please. Maddie Rose, what's your concern level of your Calgary Flames right now? My concern level is, I don't know, if I, if I had to say like out of five, I would say it's probably somewhere in the middle, maybe like two or three, because these are three losses that have not been great. And you look at the way that they've come about, not ideal. Oilers, blown lead in the third period. The Kraken, blown lead in the third period. Not a great start. Uh, against the Predators and really for most of that game felt like the team was a little bit listless at points that just wasn't necessarily engaged to the extent that we saw when they were winning games. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, there's certainly some concern, but I keep going back to, you know, early on in the season, new guys trying to figure out tendencies and all that type of stuff. I think Caudry has stepped in quite well, but I think it's taken a little bit longer for Jonathan Huberto I have faith in the talent on this roster. I have faith in the blue line. I have faith in the goaltender. I have faith in the coaching staff. And I have faith that the general manager will make a move if they need to. 
So my level for concern is minimal. I wasn't getting too high after this team had won five games. I wasn't getting too low. I'm not going to get too low after they won, after they lose three in a row and they've all been at home and you haven't left Alberta for four weeks and everything that goes into that. You've only played nine games, which is the least amount of games played in the entire NHL. I think there's a, you know, any season, if a team's doing good or a team's doing bad, you can look at things. You can say, that's an excuse. That's an excuse. Right. We can, we can go through them all. My my reason for concern is is minimal. Um, the power play is a reason for concern so Certainly. far this season because uh, it just bears out in the numbers. Flames 5-0 when they score a power play goal, or in 4 when they don't. And uh, the power play just looks... It seems like it's getting progressively worse as we move on to the season here because I thought they were really snapping it around really nicely at the beginning of the season. And you've made the great point, the astute point, that zone entries on the power play have been an issue for this team because you don't have Johnny carrying the puck in anymore. Kryptonite. And uh, again, uh, we know special teams are so key in the NHL, duh. But uh, the teams just 5-0 when they score, 0-4 when they don't. And chemistry is an issue on that top line power play, the number one line is an issue with chemistry, but I keep going back to the same point. I want to see Kadri, Dubé, and Manjapani back together because that's been Calgary's best line so far this season, and I'm just, I don't agree with breaking them up. And I, I think we've only maybe scratched the surface of how good that trio can be. I so think, get them yeah. back together. They could be very good together, and I we're going to see them together at some point this season for sure, but I think that the big question for me is when is that going to be what is the kind of priority? What is the pecking order for the coaching staff as far as this is the guy that we want to be going here? This is the guy that we want to be going here. This is the guy that we need to be going right now. What is that order that they see? Because at this point, like I feel like that cadre line is already something you've got in your back pocket. That, hey, sure. when, when we really find ourselves in a hole, we can go back to this. And that might be right now. A very well, Very well might be. Um, flames okay. equals utter discombu discombu discom discombob discombobulation. Yes, is that even a word? Sure, uh, it is. Um, but keep those texts rolling in nine sixty nine sixty name and location. We've got a phone call right now. Oh, uh, morale. Am I saying that right? Good morning. No, it's Miro. Miro. Oh, sorry. My apologies. What's your concern level right now in the Calgary Flames? Uh, I would say it's low moderate i think that this looks a lot like what johnny was needing to go through under daryl that that's uh adjusting to a system figuring things out and figuring out how to be a 115 point player within daryl's system and um, looking at the five on five play tells me that that they really don't have cohesiveness you know they're learning what to do how to do it and they got to figure it out and i kind of figured like maddie said on the not getting too high on five wins i think that um i was thinking the same thing like the five on five play was the was the key point that that told me that they had to really learn how to play with daryl's system and with each other in a way that's that's gonna take a bit all right thanks for the call i think that's a great point I think he was alluding to Huberto that has to find out how to be Jonathan Huberto under Daryl's system. I think that's a great point. Well, and, and the last time that Huberto spoke was today's Friday. I want to say it was Wednesday on their off day that he uh, spoke to the media. And one of the things he talked about is, listen, this this is different. In Florida, it was run and gun. 
It was, you know, kind of run around in your own zone a little bit, force a turnover, fast break the other way, score in transition, and do that five or six times and beat teams 6-3, 6-4, whatever. This is not how the Flames like to play. Occasionally, the Flames will play the Oilers, and it'll be the most ridiculous track meet you'll see all year, but for the most part, this is a team that would like to keep the goals, you know, under five, under six between both clubs, really. Mm-hmm. It's different. It's a different style. He's he's probably not going to score 100 points this season. The way things have started and trying to get used to this, like you can see a way that eventually he does get there, similar to Johnny Gaudreau. He had many good seasons where he was a point-per-game player and that type of thing, but eventually it took a little while for everything to fall into place perfectly and for him to go out and, and have that 113-point season. Kevin from Calgary on the text line 960-960. Not concerned until they finish their road trip and see where they stand at that time. If they come back with a losing record, then I'll be a little worried. I think that's fair. I think it's very fair because you you have to see this team in both situations. And for them to kind of get out, and I know it's just a three-gamer, but to be out and be on the Eastern Eastern Coast doing a a swing through the Tri-City area, Islanders, Devils, and Bruins on the 7th, 8th, and 10th of November before they were in to turn home for uh, some more home action. That'll be a time where you go out and you kind of give yourself another honest honest look because you've got the Islanders who are playing solid hockey, better of late, pretty significant win over the Blues yesterday. you got the Devils who house on fire right now. Like they're like the the Buffalo Sabres of the Metropolitan Division. They're just running teams over left, right, and center. And then you've got the Boston Bruins. 10 and 1 on the season, the best team in the league. So if you come back from that road trip, like listen, if you come back and you only take 3 of 6 points, that necessarily that mm. that that's not going to be the grading metric for me. It's going to be how you play in those games. Because if you go out and you're competitive with the Devils and you're competitive with the Bruins in a couple of games on the Eastern Conference uh, on that out, out east and you're able to show that you can kind of get back to that style, that's good. That's ideal. And I'm I'm a big believer that you know when you're playing the Eastern Conference, those games just don't mean as much as when you're playing against the West or the Pacific. Of course, um, Kevin, mid to high level of concern because it was rarely about effort last year, but it is now. I don't. Maybe at times, but I don't know if I would buy into effort being the the grand problem here. I think that maybe a couple of guys got a little bit overwhelmed in some situations. Um, like Daryl said, you know, not necessarily helping out each other on the, on the blue line as tandems after the game. That's not necessarily effort. That's more kind of your focus and, and your chemistry and all your preparation and all that type of thing. I don't know. I, I always have a hard time saying this is a team that doesn't show effort when it's a Daryl Sutter coach team. I just It's not really the case, usually, in my opinion. Uh, Sid from Northeast Calgary. I think the Sutter system is not working. He needs to go old school system. Doesn't work in 2022. Sutter's not going anywhere. Sutter also doesn't have an old school system. No, he doesn't. He That's... he teach, he preaches uh, aggressive forechecking, and that's today's NHL. Aggressive forechecking, um, low to high, like, you name it. Like, this is... He... It's not like he disregards analytics. He understands that they have a role in the game. Yeah, I'd sorry, no. Um, Shane from Calgary's not worried at all. Um, and Greg from Calgary, not concerned at all if they put their lines back where they were. Very concerned 
if you think Luch is a second-line winger, that's scary. Like I said after we saw him up there the first time, when you have something like that, that is a sign that you need to change something, maybe need to bring somebody in. And like Lucic is... He's been good this season. And he's done well in that role. But like we have talked about a lot, if he's able to be on that fourth line, love it, and play with Richie, and look what happened when he was Rooney on that down there, fourth line, like, Matty. I like they that were a lot. Drawing lots of penalties at him the beginning and, of the season. Him and Luch each, and, like Luch and Richie on a line together, that's a pain. You don't want to be the third pair defenseman who has to go out and play those guys because both of them are more than content to just chip a puck and go run you over. Like neither of them are very interested in trying to beat guys one-on-one and get to the net like that. Like, we know how Brett Ritchie scores goals. Somehow he gets left alone in front of the net. Lucic wins a battle below the boards because nobody wants to have any part of that guy when he's back behind your net. And all of a sudden, it's Lucic to Ritchie, one-timer, bingo. Ken Danico, Devils analyst, MSG, former Devil grade, three-time Stanley Cup champion straight ahead. Talk about those red-hot New Jersey Devils who are in town tomorrow night to play the Flames to wrap up this eight-game homestand. And to wrap up uh, the 7 o'clock hour, uh, we'll tell you about an eight-year-old boy who's more of a man than the four of us combined. Keep Probably teasing times this. 10. I'm very intrigued. Uh, we'll do that next. It's The Big Show. Thanks for your calls and your text. 960 The Fan. You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. It's the Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Your chance to win a $100 gift card right now on the text line, 960-960, name and location. I talked about how I'm really excited that Season 4, Part 1 of Manifest is dropping on Netflix. Yeah, I'm really excited yeah, you for are. you. Yeah. What happened on Flight 828? What happened to... Um, yeah? Grace, I want to say? Yes. Yes. You listen. Is Zombie going to jail for is, killing the major? Why is, is Jared going to find out? Do you say zombie? Zombie. Zombie. Not zombie. Why is there zombies in jail? What is this, Walking no. Dead? First season? It's a good season of no. Walking Dead, George. 960, 960, name and location. Uh, give us a guilty pleasure TV show you watch and why. And if, if your text is good, you win a $100 gift card from Golf Town. Pretty sweet deal. And then to wrap up uh, this hour, we'll tell you why an eight-year-old boy is more of a man than the four of us working on this show put together. But right now, uh, talk about those scorching red-hot New Jersey Devils on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest outline. We say good morning to Devils analyst from MSG, three-time Stanley Cup champion, Ken Danico. Ken, good morning. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Didn't get much sleep. We haven't had uh, this kind of excitement around these parts in a long time with our <laughs> team, but... Uh, we, 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 put, we put it in perspective. It's uh, still early in the season. Having said that, a little different feel here is uh, these guys are starting to believe that uh, uh, they can win some hockey games and they know what it takes. And it was just a terrific comeback in the third period against the Edmonton Oilers, as everybody knows, last night. Ken, how would you describe Jesper Bratt's season so far? Well, he's always been a great player. Nobody's really known a whole lot about him, I guess, uh, outside of New Jersey, although he did have 73 points last season and uh, was just a real good, solid player. He's dynamic. He's quick. Uh, he thinks the game very well. He's tough to contain. Great on his edges. 
Uh, he can cut to the net as good as any guy in the league, and he's he's really started very well, obviously, and uh, just a key a key cog in the offensive prowess right now. The Devils are showing, uh, but they're about speed, team speed, and, and that's led by Jesper Bratt because uh, he was he's the type of guy that can sh- shot out of a cannon. If you saw the game-winning goal, he kind of took a a fly route. Uh, when they scored the uh, the go-ahead goal with, you know, seven seconds apart after Ryan Graves tied it. And if you watched his speed there, um, that, that's what he's all about. He's a guy with quickness, speed. Uh, he creates offense uh, on a nightly basis. And he's really developed to, to an elite offensive guy in the National Hockey League. What is his relation uh, relationship like with Jack Hughes, who's uh, his centerman right now and, and I would argue uh, an equally offensively talented player? Well, I think the game at a high level, that's for sure. I mean, Jack Hughes is a special player, and, and he's only getting better. I mean, his numbers, uh, he's about a point-of-game guy, and, and it could be two a night because uh, Jack Hughes creates as much as any, any devil for sure. I mean, every time he's out there, there's something happening offensively. Puck's on his stick a lot, and he's always one of those guys that is uh, his offensive zone time and uh, is up there in the top of the league as far as having the puck on his stick. So he creates, and... And those two guys are, are very smart, intelligent players, uh, good hands, gifted guys. So they've, they've really got some chemistry, obviously, together. And um, they're, they're fun to watch, that's for sure. They're fun to watch. And like I said, anytime you, you have a couple of players on the same line that can create and do the things that they can do offensively, it's certainly fun for us to call as well. But those two guys, uh, you know, are, are just important cogs. But obviously for the Devils, it's a much deeper team, and that, that's a big thing. They're getting contributions from all four lines right now. They've never had the depth they've had, and this is without their prize free agent in the lineup, uh, Andre Pilat, who had three goals mm-hmm. in his first game, four games. So it just shows they're a little deeper. Uh, they believe they can win hockey games. Like Miles Wood uh, had three points last night, two goals and assists. He's a fourth liner. So when you're getting that kind of production from your fourth line, you're going to win some hockey games. He had a terrific game. When I think about the Swiss captain, Nico Heischer, I think about a guy who's a, a strong 200-foot player who's played against top talent in this league since he was just 18 years old and maybe gotten the short end of the straw with some injuries in his first few years in the league, but now healthy, top-line centerman once again. What, what aspect of his game maybe impresses you the most or is maybe the most underrated for us out West who don't always get eyes on him? Uh, I think you nailed it uh, right off the top. He, he is a 200-foot player, and I don't like to make comparisons too often, but he is the devil, Patrice Bergeron, for sure. He's a defenseman's dream. He's always in the right spot in his own zone, so even if he's not producing offense, and he is this season, uh, obviously he's at a point-of-game pace, but he, he was terrific last night. Just his ability to protect the puck and shend off, uh, fend off defenders, just a real heady, smart hockey player as well. But the 200-foot game is what's most impressive. He's always in the in the right position. So when you got a guy that even if he doesn't get a point or two in a game or, or goes a few games without a point, for me what the key is, he's contributing. He's a factor in the game in helping your team win. And, and that's a big reason why he was named captain at such a young age. He, he comes to play every night, his preparation. And he's a guy that may, might not be a – 80, 90-point guy, but if you get 65, 70 points from him, which you will uh, each year, 
and just the all-around game. That's what makes him special. Uh, this is the best I've seen him play uh, in a Devils uniform, and he's been around, what is he, 23 years old right now, 24 years old, yeah. and he's been around quite some time because he came in at as a young 18-year-old, but uh, he's really starting to take his game to another level. He's got to stay healthy, like you mentioned, but this is the best right now I've seen him, just his command of the puck and just understanding uh, every situation in tight games and where to play and where to be and, and helping his defense out. So he's a special player. He's a lot of fun. And I know a lot of people probably don't know these guys uh, outside of New Jersey at times, but we've seen it developing here the last couple of years where these, they, they, because of high draft picks, they've uh, gathered a group of good young players. Tom Fitzgerald, the general manager, has done, done a good job, and he finally insulated them with some key veterans uh, that they needed. They needed to understand situational play and tight games and how you're going to win games that they just couldn't do in the last three or four years. And all of a sudden, um, it's all kind of came together in the early part of the season. And let's not forget, we know their goaltending last year was a, a big sore spot. They used seven guys. Vanacek came in last night in the middle of an Edmonton Oilers power play, in the middle of the game, gives up a goal on his first shot, and you're going, oh, boy, this is going to be tough. And then he made some spectacular saves that you need from goaltenders, or the game would have been out of reach because it was 3-2, and he made two or three saves on a two-on-ones. So he was terrific. So everything kind of meshing and molding for, together for the Devils as far as why their record is where it is in the early going. Ken Danico, uh, Devils analyst for MSG, of course, three-time Stanley Cup champion, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. It's the big show, Russick and Rose, Sports at 960 The Fan. Ken, you talk about uh, draft picks and guys like Hughes and Heischer. Is that another, Is are they the prime example right now in the NHL that sometimes it takes these guys a while to get used to playing in the league? You played in the league, you know how hard it is to get used to the pro game, it's not like every day where guys like McDavid and Matthews just burst out into the scene and are automatically superstars. Sometimes it takes, I know this is crazy in today's age to say, time and patience when it comes to young players, and aren't we seeing that now with the New Jersey Devils? I think so, and that's hard, isn't it, guys, as far as patience. I mean, from your fan base to management, so that's calling the games you want to see, see it as quick as possible, and obviously when you're number one overall pick, picks like Hughes and Heischer were, you expect the world. And they come in as babies, 18-year-old kids. And McDavid, Matthews, those are generational-type hockey players that uh, can come into the league and, and take it by storm right away. There's just not many of those kinds of number one overall picks that come. But certainly they knew when they were drafting these two guys that they're going to be good, solid NHL players for a lot of years. And, yeah, you have to show some patience along the way. Nico Heischer did have 50-plus points, I think, his first season – and the Devils weren't very good, obviously. So, yeah, you saw what he was capable of. It took Jack a little longer, for sure. And, and he kind of burst out last year, even though he got banged up a little with uh, well over a point of game pace, that just to get accustomed and adjusted to the speed and the thought process and everything that happens so much quicker, where they're dominating at their junior level or college level or whatever it may be, you come to the best league in the world, it doesn't always happen overnight. So you definitely have to show show patience, but that's not always easy to do. Ken, how did you approach playing against 18-year-olds when you were in the NHL? (laughs) 
Well, look, they, they, I, I, I played my first game as a 19-year-old, and obviously the game was a lot different, uh, a little more intimidating and physical, and that was part of my game. So I knew how I was going to make a name for myself. It wasn't a highlight real goal. I was a guy in the trenches that I had to defend, play physical. So for me, it was a little different, obviously, and I've transitioned. I love the high, high-end skill in this, in this league right now, but I, I don't think you approach it any different. Obviously – you know that young kids maybe are going to uh, get rid of the puck a little quicker, so you bear down on them a little bit more until they figure it out. Once they figure it out, like Heischer and Hughes have, uh, hey, you know it's going to be a lot more difficult. But I don't think you approach it much different just from the standpoint you maybe want to, um, you know, force them into making plays that uh, they don't want to, and that's what happens a lot with these young guys coming in at 18 because they can't quite do what they did at the junior level uh, until until they figure it out. And, and both these guys uh, over the years, over the last few years here, are starting to figure it out and what it takes to be consistent and a good uh, pro in the National Hockey League. Can coaches love to have long, rangy defensemen because it can really help when you're trying to defend either on the rush or, or, or defend in your own end? And, the Devils have done a good job via trade of acquiring some long guys that can defend. You think of Ryan Graves, John Marino, Jonas Siegenthaler, all via trade in the last few years here. Just what is the hole on this blue line? Because all of these guys, whether it's the three I mentioned or Dougie or Brendan Smith or Damon Saverson, like all of these guys have that reach that makes it really hard to get by them on the rush or, or try and get past their cycle defense. I, I tell you, that that is an excellent point, and that's something we've been raving about here because the blue line has been very thin for the past five years outside the first uh, pairing usually. And now all of a sudden, Tom Fitzgerald again has done a really good job of finding guys that can defend. I, I know the game's transition and defensemen have to sustain the attack. They have to join it, and these guys do, but they're all rangy and can skate. John Marino hasn't been good. He has been outstanding. We could not have expected mm. the performance John Marino has shown through the first 11 games uh, uh, when Fitzgerald made that trade, but he has really solidified that top six. Deegenthaler, you know, took time. He was in Washington, a deep team. He didn't get a lot of opportunity. He comes to Jersey. It took him some time, but he's found a home here, and he's a really good mobile skater with that reach and takes up space and, he defi- I watched last night, especially in the third period, McCabe- McDavid coming down on him 95 miles an hour. And <laughs> as we know, he likes that move between the stick and skates and that quick move and, and lets the shot go. And Siegenthaler played him perfectly. I'm going, I, I just haven't seen this from a devil's defense in, mm. in a long time. So I think you make an excellent point. Ryan Graves with a big play last night. Dougie Hamilton, he's 6'6". He's more of an offensive guy. You guys saw him in Calgary, but he's playing very well for us. And he brings that different dimension that we've never had. A guy that's dangerous every time he's in the offensive zone and can create offense. But he's used that long reach in his own zone and played real solid two-way hockey for them. So the defense is much improved, no question about it. And we always talk about, well, it doesn't matter your size anymore because it's all about speed and quickness and play. But size matters on the back end. You're absolutely right. Not for the phys- just the physicality, but more for the the reach and taking up space and with the skill level and skill sets of these guys today, they can do magical things with a puck. We know that. So you need guys that have a good stick, 
have that reach, take up the lanes, and, and the Devils have done all that in the early going, and they block shots. So uh, right now, this is the best defense core they've had in, in a long, long time. It's not flashy. It's just steady, and that's what you need. You've got to be able to defend because you're going to spend a lot of time in your zone. In particular, last night, the Oilers, we know the firepower they have, and, mm-hmm. and they put the Devils on their heels a little bit uh, throughout this game, in particular in the second period. But but the Devils are more mature. They, they were able to weather the storm, get a few saves, and, and uh, then they were able to take over in the third and use their attributes, and that's their speed and quickness. And the defense get the puck up to, uh, to the strength of the Devils uh, pretty well as far as not just about how, how fast your team is skating. You've got to get the puck up to them. The puck moves faster than, than the player. And once they get it to them in stride, they're tough to defend because they back defensemen off with that speed. We're fired up. I'm excited to see the Devils come through town. We only get to see them once a year and uh, haven't seen Nico Heischer for a little while, I feel, as well, because uh, he might have been hurt for some of the recent visits, too. (laughs) But, uh, Ken, I did want to ask you as well. It was just this past weekend uh, you were honored out in New Jersey for your 40 seasons as a player and broadcaster with the New Jersey Devils, and uh, the team, uh, well, did a little favor and Beat the Devils by a seven to one score. Uh, beat the Blue Jackets by a seven to one score that afternoon. Just uh, how cool was that for you to uh, kind of get out there in front of the crowd again and uh, be honored? <laughs> it was special. I was humbled and honored, and I really didn't expect it when the Devils told me before the before the season they're going to have a night for me. And uh, look, I, I knew what I was in New Jersey. I was a blue collar guy. The fans could relate to that. I think the whole state can that did whatever it took to win and just helped the team uh, any way I could uh, within my limitations. And, look, it, it was special. I'm grateful to be part of the Devils organization as long as I have. It means I'm just getting older, obviously, but uh, it's mind-boggling to me 40 years later. I'm still here, and I <laughs> didn't know where New Jersey was when I was drafted the original season. They came to New Jersey in 1982. I really didn't. I had to ask my mother, where's New Jersey? Because I – I had no clue, but would have ran the 2,000 miles to get my opportunity to fulfill a dream. But the organization has treated me like gold. It's been uh, very loyal, and uh, the new ownership embraces the history and what we uh, accomplished in the past. And I was very grateful. It was a humbling moment, and my son got to sing the national anthem. That was a surprise. He's a singer and went to school for it at Berkeley College of Music. That was as special as anything for me when he came out and I – I was kind of stunned and going, I can't, I didn't know my son was going to be singing the national anthem. So it, it was a real special afternoon. And you nailed it when you said they, they won seven, one. All I was thinking is just don't lay a dud guys, because the family, <laughs> my son and me pretty quick, play your heart. So win the damn hockey game on this day. Cause that's what's mattered to me. I want to see these guys have success. You know, I was fortunate to go through a lot of lean years in the eighties and still be around when, when we were able to climb the mountaintop and win Stanley Cups. And it's not easy to win in this league. So I've felt for them. They've taken a lot of flack over the years. But it just seems, like I said, it's early. But they're tired of losing. And they want to change the narrative. And I'm so glad that they they were able to have a dominant performance on the night the Devils uh, were, were nice enough to honor me for, for service. And, and just uh, I wouldn't want it any other way. I'm a transplanted jersey and uh, – I have a Devils logo tattooed to my heart anytime you're with the team as long as I've been. And then, like I said, I, I can't believe it. You can't help but uh, just want their success. And 
it was a special, special afternoon for me and my family for sure. They only shot the Blue Jackets 53-21. to 21. <laughs> Average. <laughs> I was glad about that, guys. Trust me, that's all I was thinking. Oh, man, just don't. You know, you're, you're holding your breath. Play your heart, so please, please. <laughs> uh, Devils analyst for MSG, former Devil great, three-time Stanley Cup champion, Ken Danico. Ken, thanks for this. Enjoy the game tomorrow night. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Have a great day. There's Ken Danico on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest outline. Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar is a 14-time Consumer Choice Award winner. For takeout or delivery, call 403-248-3344 or dine in at Atlas Pizza, 6060 Memorial Drive, Northeast. Uh, Devils and Flames tomorrow night to wrap up the eight-game homestand for Calgary. Uh, later How on in the, the show, telethon tomorrow? We got a long uh, telethon tomorrow. The Pat Steinberg tomorrow? telethon tomorrow. I think it's a short telethon tomorrow. Yeah, I think he he's also uh, he's also taking donations for people with mild foot pain. Oh, during the uh, the telethon, <laughs> mild foot pain. Yeah, it's wow. it's a very it's a very it's good niche. cause out there. Oh, oh good cause. I was yeah, gonna it's say a good niche. cause out there. There's a lot of people suffering from mild <laughs> foot pain. So Pat's going to be taking donations during his telethon to oh. the Flames games. He's only doing like five to six hours of work tomorrow. What a slacker. What a, like, come on, Pat. Come on, Steinberg. Get it together. Figure it out. Uh, he did a great job on Dragon's Breath last week. Yeah. And uh, he basically kept Dragon's Breath alive with his performance. <laughs> yeah. So he... after the Ryan Leslie fiasco, who we love, uh, we can't wait to have Ryan Leslie on. Never is going to play Dragon's Breath again. But uh, Matt Marchese, um, producer of the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network, he's going to join us at 830 for another edition of Dragon's Breath. We're going to have two smoke. I think the Dragon has two smoking hot Flames takes and two smoking hot NHL takes to share with us. Wow. So we'll see what Matty, Matty, Matt Marchese wants to do. If he wants to defend the Dragon's takes or go against the Dragon. So I don't know which way he's going to lean because you're going to have to, you're going to have to take the other side. How fiery is Fanny feeling today? We'll find out. I uh, yes, I think I, morning, usually yes. the takes you, are you smoking hot. Didn't talk to her this morning. Well, no, like I like I wanted to save it for the show because she was still a little mm. hurt over the Ryan Leslie incident. <laughs> so it'll be fine uh, at eight thirty when she's well, on again because she, she really loved the past Steinberg. She saw her life flash before her yeah, eyes. Yeah, like it was almost like like they like they took care of Gibby at the Blue Jays. They put him in the back of the Rogers Center, put a couple slugs into him. Dib 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 dib. dib I'm done as the head coach. I'm done as the manager. Um, still taking your uh, text messages, 960-960, name and location. Give us your Guilty Pleasure TV show and uh, why your chance to win a $100 gift card from Golf Town. Uh, we'll, we'll read those. We'll do that to wrap up the show. But right now, I've been teasing this. Um, oh, yeah. Is this about the small child who's better than all of us or whatever? The eight-year-old. So I don't know about you guys, but uh, do you have a phobia? Matty Rose that you're really afraid of? Are you afraid of spiders? Are you afraid of snakes? I know you're afraid of heights. I don't love I, any of these things that you've yeah, mentioned. You're not crazy about them? Spiders. You, you don't get, have a pet tarantula in your aquarium at home? You know what? It's not even the legs that bothers me. It's the eyes. Why do okay. you have so many eyes? Okay. So you're Patty Dumas. Are you afraid of anything uh, specifically? I don't have a phobia or anything. I'm pretty good with most things, I think. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, but this eight-year-old boy is more of a man than the four of us times probably a hundred. Okay. Uh, an eight-year-old boy in India uh-huh. uh, named uh, Deepak. 
was um was just playing in his backyard. All right. Haven't like eight year olds do playing in the backyard. Nice sunny day in India. Playing with the dirt. And according to the new Indian Express, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, through the grass, mm. a cobra comes up and bites him on the hand. Oh. Wow. A cobra. Yeah. With the big they get the the hoods and the cobra. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Serious snake. Yeah. Cobra. No so the kid, the snake is attached to his hand and he's trying to shake it off. Mm-hmm. So Deepak being the super boss <laughs> that he is, what does he do? At eight years old? Did he At bite it? At eight years old. Did he bite it? He bit it in the head twice and killed it. Fuck. <laughs> now, if that was one of us and a cobra is attached to our hand, I think we're checking out. I think we're handing, we're mailing it in. This is it. This is how I'm gonna. But this is well, how I'm gonna eat good. it. That was a good life. Boys. I'm done. Nice job all yeah. around. Shake some hands. Yeah, it was a pleasure being here. Yeah, yeah. I really now, enjoyed my time. Let's quickly go around the room before we had to break. Mm-hmm. Which one of us on the show, <laughs> myself, Maddie Rose, producer Patrick Dumont, or technical director Alex Brody, is the most likely to bite the cobra in the head to get it off their hand? Patty Dumont. No. Not me, I'll tell you that for sure. Alex, who do you who do you think it is? You know what? I think one thing you'll learn about me is I'll do anything. Oh. Like like I like if there's Okay. Like, All right. That opens the well, we gotta box. go find a cobra oh, okay. now. Yeah. <laughs> Put me to the test. Uh you know? where could we buy cobra? Do we have a <laughs> do we have a reptile guy? Yeah, do we have a cobra guy? Are we like one of those late night talk shows where we just got like an animal guy that can come in Jack with some Anna. exotic yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. Is some there... exotic creatures do a little trick and bite Brody with a snake. Is there a ser- <laughs> is there a more serious animal than the spitting cobra? That spits venom into your eye before he like takes you out. That's a serious animal. Uh, that's a, yeah, I wouldn't trifle. That animal has my attention. Yeah, if it's a spitting cobra. Yeah, he's not goofing. So you're saying Alex would be the one biting the head of the cobra, Patty Dumont? Do you agree with that? Oh, why? I don't. I mean, maybe Alex has a taste for snake. Snake meat. Yeah. You guys need to remember. I grew up on like a farm, kind of. Oh, he's probably seen so some things. Yeah, I've dude. Seen... Remember, he used to have long hair. Remember, we saw the picture. Like okay. he used to be unruly. <laughs> His he is from Brandon, Manitoba. And unkempt. Yeah, he's from Brandon, Manitoba. Yeah, that's he. He grew. You grew up on a farm, town of the Wheaties. Like a like a not a farm, a ranch. I would call it. Like we didn't have like. So you've seen your fair share of snakes. Do they I've, have snakes I've, in Brandon, Manitoba? Probably not cobras. Yeah, garter of, snakes. A lot, a lot of garter snakes, snakes in Manitoba. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, and Which I've, are harmless. If I'm yes, not they are. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I ran into a like a badger once in in our oh, pasture, yeah. like face to face, when I was like ten. That was pretty intense. I, what like, happens if you look into the eye of a badger? What happens then? It was like I was staring at it, and it was staring at me. And then my like dad yelled at me to run, so I just ran. <laughs> I just got oh, out of okay. there. How bi- how how big was a badger? Like, like a medium dog ish size, you know. Like badgers like are big. Like That's pretty big. Eagle. That is pretty big. I don't know if I've ever seen one in real um, life. But just, just so you know, um, maybe aside from Alex Brody, who actually has from like real life experience with animals, <laughs> I know the three of us would probably be checking out if a cobra was latched to our hands. Yeah, I would. I would need help. Yeah, I would. I would definitely need help. I'd be trying to. I'd probably like, like just sacrificing my arm and like throwing it against a wall. You know, like yeah. if I break my, my arm, I, so I guarantee what? I'm my first to kill the cobra. My yeah. first move is not chomp. Yeah, no, that, I ain't bite. But it. this was the eight year old's first move was bite it twice, and I'm he probably, bit it so hard he killed it. I'm probably going with the hammer fist with yeah. my other hand a couple of times, a couple whales in the and, head, uh, <laughs> and then and then maybe uh, step on the tail and try and like 
pull it off like like when you got gum stuck you, to your you shoe. You probably would pass out right away and, then and just I, hope somebody would save I, your life. And then I, yeah, okay, you're yeah, probably that's probably right. Yeah, that's probably my my. And maybe opposed to Alex Brody, who went face to face or dead eye with a badger. Or I guess I'll just get bit, soil myself, and pass out. Fine, George. Yeah, that's, that's probably the road you would take. Uh, straight ahead, Arash Madani um, from Sportsnet. A CFL playoffs. We're gonna ask Arash. Sometimes it's hard to stick up for the CFL man, uh, the award stuff, uh, the, the halftime guest. But we'll look ahead to the the Stampeders and Lions matchup. We'll mix in some uh, World Series. And some NFL with a rash and dragon's breath. Uh, flames and NHL take so hot that only a dragon can spit them out. We'll do that to wrap up the show for the week. It's the big show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan.